0: Welcome to the DJE podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today's guest is Jens Nielsen. He's a multifamily operator that uh, had a software career and made the jump over to real estate investing and jumped right into multifamily investing. He's grown the company um, so we talk about his path to to entrepreneurship and growing his multifamily investment company. He also does uh, coaching. So we talk about um, how that works for his coaching clients, how he's helping people in the business, and uh, also the real estate portfolio and what they've been able to do over the last couple of years. So I think you're going to enjoy my conversation with Jens. Before we dive in, if you are not on the DJE investor list and seeing our deals that we're putting out, and you want to see those, you can sign up at djetexas.com for a quick call. Uh, get to know us. We can send you case studies and, and different things we've done over the years in, uh, in and around San Antonio. And then if you're an aspiring operator, you want to go out and learn how to buy and structure, run these deals. We've created apartmenteducators.com as a complete 360 degree uh, ecosystem to plug you in and, and show you the the whole thing. Our, our clients in that program are buying deals uh, constantly. So that's been a lot of fun to be a part of. We've got a free eight-part video series that I teach at apartmenteducators.com. You can go check that out. All right, let's jump into the episode here with Jens. Here we go. Jens, welcome. Nice to see you again. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, Devin. Thanks for uh, taking me on this session again. I love, I love talking to you.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Likewise, and I love to kind of check in um, and see, you know, what you've done. We had you on episode twenty-two of the DJE podcast and talked about what was going on then. <clears throat> you haven't been sitting sitting around in the time since then. You've been busy, so let's let's check in, and I, I would love to hear about all the deals you've done, all the progress. But before we get into that, let's kind of um, for somebody that didn't hear the past episode, how about a little bit of your background um, and how you came to real estate, and then we can dive into all the all your other updates.
1: Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, that's been it's been a while. A lot of things have changed. We'll definitely get into that, right? So, yeah, I'm um, I'm originally from Denmark, uh, hence the accent and the name. But I've been living in the U.S. for 25, I think, coming up on 26 years now, so more than half my life. Uh, had a long IT career, and you know, did what you. I was supposed to do like work in IT, working in, in a W two job and saving your retirement account. But about six years ago, I kind of realized that while I had a comfortable life, I didn't have a meaningful way of impacting. I didn't have a meaningful way of control over my time. And at that time, I you know looked around and discovered real estate. And from not owning anything except my own house, you know various houses along the way, I started investing. Uh, in 2016, and have now six years later, have syndicated, I think we're 1700 units now, uh, done deals around the country have left my job, I'm a full time syndicator. I'm also, you know, a high performance coach. So I do that. So just kind of living a totally different life that I couldn't even have have imagined, you know, five, six years ago. So it's, it's great. Love it
0: congratulations on that. There's, I absolutely love hearing that when people are able to do that and create that level of freedom. Um, What was there a a moment for you? That was like a defining moment of I've got to do something different. Or was this a gradual process? How did that work for you?
1: I think there's two things that really impacted me, you know, my mother, she passed away around the age I'm I'm I'll be 51 this summer and she passed away before she even turned 51 from Mm -hmm. cancer. Mm -hmm. And I realized, wow, we have one life and it can be very short. And as I got closer to that age, when my mother passed, I was like, wow, I mean, I could see the one path, stay in the W2 job for another 20 years, or I could go out and maybe try to see what was possible, what I could do. So that was, I think that's been in the back of my head for a long time. But I think really the, like the defining moment was, you know, my, I had to make some changes because my wife didn't like where we were living. And I was like, man, do I want to just go and find a new job in a new city? And it, the answer was just no. And I, I really just kept looking. And really the defining moment, like the one that's flipped the switch, I picked up one of bigger pockets books around how to invest in real estate. And I was like, Oh man, this is quote unquote simple. I'm a, I'm an analytical guy. I can figure this out. Right. And that was the switch. Like, I got to figure this out. And I got to, I got to do that. So I just committed myself 100% to it after getting that, you know, after that light bulb kind of went off in my head.
0: Right. Right. That seems to be a common denominator among the successful real estate entrepreneurs is this all in mentality, which this is an exponential process, which is, Uh, very different from the linear trading time for money process that most of the globe subscribes to. So when you go all in on real estate, you're spending an incredible amount of time and energy, sometimes money with zero return for some period of time. And then later on, as you get into that exponential curve, you're spending less time, energy and money and you're, you know, you're reaping the benefits without the direct input. So that can be a, a I mean, it's a hard first couple of years, just bottom line, but we just, we were talking before, you know, you just got back from a, uh, was a month long trip in Europe.
1: Yeah, that that's right. And that was actually one of my, you know, when I started kind of, you know, visualizing what it would look like, because one thing is the desire to change your life, but the why has to be strong enough. Right. It's, yes. you know, yeah, the money and everything that's, that's good. That's, that's, that drives you for a while. But it's freedom, it's the ability to reconnect, right? And as I mentioned, I'm from Denmark originally, but for the last, well, I actually left 1993 to go to the UK for a while. So it's been, you know, coming up on 28, 29 years since I left the country. So my sister, you know, who I haven't you know, seen her occasionally, but not that, like, I felt like I was losing touch. I was losing touch with family right. and even old friends and even like my, my heritage, if you will, so one of my dream and part of my vision was I want to be able to go back and not, you know, have to ask my boss for a week off and, you know, endure the, the, the travel over there for a short period of time. It's like, so I had the vision of doing this and it was going to be a long time, you know, COVID put a delay on it, but finally here, you know, and I left, I was literally over there for a month, right? So I had that opportunity to slow down, to connect with people and not feel rust, And it was just, it was, it was amazing to see that dream finally come true. And I didn't fully check out, but I didn't have to be at a desk for eight hours a day. So it was awesome.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Ah, it's such a that's such a great story. And you you touched on a point about vision that I think is really important for people to understand. I think the more specific you can get with your vision, the easier it is for the for the universe to assist you and for other people to assist you. If you you know, just getting really tactical, let's say you're talking with a broker, if you're extremely specific in your vision with the broker they're better able to assist you. If you're extremely specific in your vision with your investors or business partners, it makes it that much easier. And bottom line, most people don't have any vision for their life at all. And they just kind of get whatever results are are thrown at them. So I absolutely love that concept of a, of a clear vision and, um, and unwavering, you know, progress toward it. Let's talk about your, your first deal, you know, so, uh, you know, you get the bug, you start, you go all in, um, what, what did your first project look like taking it from this <clears throat> cerebral concept to actually, you know, transacting on something?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, for a minute, I, I, uh, I uh, looked at single family homes. I was like, no, I don't want to, I knew food. that I wanted okay. to grow. So I'd never-
0: <laughs> i never, I spent many years stuck in that, uh, it, you know, and it, it went okay, but it was, I spent a lot of time and energy. I'm glad
1: you skipped that step. <laughs> so I skipped that. I started, I bought a couple of fourplexes uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I live, in, I live in New Mexico now. So I bought some down there, a couple of fourplexes, definitely in a D area, but that got me in the game. I've since sold them. Um, but it, it, it's like, oh, this actually is not just a theoretical exercise. This is actually real. Right. so I saw that. And then, very quote unquote quickly, I, I scaled it, did an 11 unit, it was actually still owned, refinanced my capital out of it. And actually, and then did a joint venture on 38 units. So within, you know, a year, I had actually scaled up to, you know, 60 some units just through joint ventures and my sure. own capital and so forth, right? So.
0: Yeah, that's huge. I mean, the ability to scale up like that, um, that's one of the reasons we do we do multifamily. So was that stuff nationwide or where where were those assets?
1: No, they were all down in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's pretty okay. much where I started um, because it was convenient. Well, it was a three, four hour drive, so I could get there relatively easy. And it was a market that actually, looking back, I should have bought a ton more. Of course, there, but right. The prices are real. <laughs> uh, but it was a good market. And I just kind of did it there and it was comfortable. I had, you know, I had partner found some good partners. And I also, I also, you know, realized early on, I don't want to be in the day to day operations. of these yes. I don't have the, I don't have the patience or the mindset for managing tenants. So luckily, I hired property managers, day one which saved me a ton of headaches um, down the road. And so, so I started there, then, you know, after having done a few of these deals, and actually kind of, you know, gotten gotten some friends to partner with me, you know, quote, unquote, investors, I realized, oh, there's a there's a lot of people that want to be in this game, but they don't have time you know, doctors and other higher income people, they, they make too much money, they don't know what to do with it. And they want to be in real estate, but they don't know how to do it themselves. So I started seeing that, oh, there is, there are ways to get people involved passively, you know, through, through kind of the syndication model, which we then, that was kind of the next logical steps, step for us then.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I remember I had this epiphany um, come as I was going through my real estate journey where, I, early on, I just couldn't imagine somebody had the problem of too much money and where to place it, but lots and lots and lots of people have that problem. And a lot of those people that have accumulated capital have done it because they're a professional or they sold a business and they, um, they don't want to go be the operator. It's a lot of work as you and I both know, um, But if they could participate with somebody they trust and they own 70% of the deal and they get some benefits out of it, I mean, there there was this huge pool of people in that situation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Once you realize that and you're not afraid of going out there and sharing what you can do. We're never asking people for money, right? We're giving an opportunity to participate alongside us. And I think, you know, it, it was just, again, right, depends on what kind of thinking do we have through, uh, you know, is money a limited resource or an abundant resource? And I just, right. You know, I think we all go from that thinking of it's limited to uh, there's plenty of money out there. You just need to find a way to tap into it. And I think that 100%. that switch was was unique and is allowed, to, you know, to scale in ways that I didn't think possible three or four years ago.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, we talk about this all the time, but, you know, of, of the people in America, let's say, that have the financial wherewithal to let's say put fifty or a hundred thousand dollars into a real estate syndication. Uh, you know, they're they're financially capable of doing that and would want to do that. You know, ninety-nine percent of the people in that situation don't even know what a syndication is. Um, so a lot of times you're just connecting the dots. I mean people are inherently they inherently understand they need to be in real estate. They just don't know how and they don't want to go learn how to do it, which is which is fine. So it's it's almost like really just education and connecting the dots a lot of the time, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I early on would just talk to anybody who would sit still long enough and go and I would go to events and parties. And, uh, you know, you have the typical, oh, what do you do? Well, right. most people say, I'm, you know, a car mechanic or an, an IT person. No, even though when I was still in IT, I said, no, I'm a, I'm a real estate investor. You know, this is what we do. Yeah, I still have a job, but in real estate, invest in this. And then when you start, people are like, oh, that's interesting. Then that conversation becomes, becomes you know, opens up and becomes very interesting. And, and, you know, some of these people I've randomly met at parties and now invested three, four, five times with me. And, and so I think it's that, you know, a lot of people, they, they how do we connect with investors? Well, I always think initially it's one-on-one, right? The people you know, just start having the conversation, start presenting yourself as is if that's the model you're following and just having the conversations and slowly build your base at some point you have to scale it but initially if you just have 10 people that want to invest 50 100k right that's half a million or a million dollars for your first project there
0: sure sure and maybe you partner up with somebody else that can they can do the rest or um, certainly ways to do it I mean I started off with one private lender on my houses and that and two and then four and and that's how it goes it scales up organically um, let's talk about a current project, right? So, you know, you, you went through the process, you got in, in here, raising capital, doing deals, you know, fast forward to maybe kind of a more recent project. What type of things and projects are you working on these days?
1: Yeah. So I have had the fortune of connecting with, uh, partnering with a gentleman that's up in, in the Cleveland, Ohio market. Um, and, you know, we have taken, you know, maybe, Maybe not you. You being from Texas, you know what's 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 Ohio. What's that got going? But right, right. it's it's a market that probably doesn't get the same level of attention as the Sun Belt and other places. But we have boots on the ground, so we have kind of developed a model of taking you know actually pretty old buildings. Turn, I'm talking 100 years old, like built in the right. early 1900s. But in downtown, like you know, big, nice, high ceiling brick buildings with hardwood right. floors. And taking tired, outdated properties and and buying them as portfolio. So, for example, we bought a 187 unit portfolio with 10 buildings uh, about six months ago. You know, huge capital infusion in because we're doing sure. a lot of work on that to, to improve. But also, I mean, we're literally doubling the rent from rents were into six, seven hundred dollars to you know 1500 $1, dollars type rent because they were they were just tired. But there's such a great location. You know uh, it's 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 painful and there's a lot of surprises in those types of of properties yes. but we also you know we have a niche that we feel like is not a lot of people want to take that on they want that you know 200 unit garden style where every unit is the same uh type property but then everybody wants those so that creates a lot of competition we try to do something different so that's the one we did uh, six months ago. And we've since bought a couple of, we, we did a 75 unit two two properties about those three weeks ago in the same area. And we we're looking at uh, a couple more deals We'll probably get another one on the contract here in the next week. So, so so basically just expanding. So I think if we get this other one, we'll have like 450, 500 units in those downtown or not downtown, but in the core city of Cleveland. With you know a lot of demand for that kind of urban living with with higher quality properties and so forth, so that's what we're working on. And and my role is really, really asset management is <laughs> what I've found myself good at. So
0: sure. So these buildings downtown are they uh, are they office conversions to multifamily? Were they existing residential? How you know how do you how do you go about that? They
1: are basically um, existing. Um, multifamily you know anywhere from maybe there's five unit in a building to 20 30 40 units right but they were purpose purposely built for as apartments
0: okay know? 100 years yeah. ago wow
1: that's fascinating 100 years ago
0: <laughs> there's certainly a different architectural you know outlook or approach a 100 years ago um, you know and some would say that was we we were back on a gold standard then right before uh, the dollar decoupled from From a gold backing and we kind of live in a fast easy cheap money world now and i think some of the architecture reflects that but some of the architecture from 100 years ago we just bought a 100 year old building in downtown san antonio to move our headquarters into and it's just it's a different deal back then
1: it sure is i mean you know the the layouts are usually kind of funky because usually small bathrooms with kind of chopped up living quarters but We also do cater to, um, so there's a couple of universities there, so we do have some students in there, so quite often you'll find, you know, a couple of students getting in the two or three bedroom apartment and just sharing, you know, getting a room themselves, each of them. Then they have, you know, tend to have big living rooms, high ceilings, hardwood floors, you know. So we do have to maybe open up a wall or other things to kind of make it a little bit more open. Yeah. They're a little funky at times and the floors may creak and other things, but in general, you know, it's, it's solid construction, mm-hmm. um, cast Fair. iron plumbing and other things. is definitely a challenge we have to deal with. Yes. But, uh... <laughs> yes.
0: I was going to ask, so like plumbing, electrical HVAC, you know, is that stuff, was it done in the last 10 years, 50 years? What's the state state of that, some of those items?
1: Yeah, I mean, so it's back in that part of the country. You know, it's, it's actually old-fashioned boilers for the heating, yep. radiators. Cooling is window units because it doesn't get as hot as it does in, in Texas. So you don't have <laughs> the yeah. same requirement for cooling. Um, you know, plumbing and electrical, you know, I mean, the general power to the building is usually sufficient. We may go in and put in, you know, um, breakers instead of fuses and, and so forth, but it's not going to be a, pro- a unit that's going to allow you to have, you know, 200 amps <laughs> of, of power to it. So there's definitely some of those challenges and some of those limitations that we run into. So we do run some of those upgrades along the way if it's if it's required.
0: Right. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Those old buildings are uh, a lot of character, some unique challenges. What's uh What's stuff renting for in downtown uh in downtown Cleveland? Just ballpark.
1: You know the renovated units, um, a two bedroom. I think we're getting thirteen to fifteen hundred uh, plus right. utilities uh, for the renovated ones. The old, outdated, tired ones are six, seven hundred bucks or something like that. Right. But we're also seeing new construction coming up, and you know a two bedroom could be as much as two thousand dollars. So we're still competitive compared to new construction and you know again i mean very little new uh inventory is coming online because there isn't a lot of places to build unless you go out into the suburbs, you
0: know. right so. right how is the da- i've not i've not been to cleveland how is the the downtown you know kind of uh culture and and scene there is it is it uh pretty vibrant or on an upswing or what's the what's kind of the
1: yeah. And so we're not actually in downtown. We're in some of these. It's called Cleveland Heights and Euclid okay. Heights, which are they were basically the upscale neighborhoods 100 years ago. Right? I so see. They were, you know, there's when you walk down the street, there may be like a 4000 square foot single family home built 100 years ago. And then next to it, there is a 10 unit apartment building that same style and so forth. But these are residential areas within, like, cool little down, cool little like uh, business districts. We have bars and and restaurants and shopping and so forth. But we're close to Little Italy, which is awesome. There's the Case Western uh, University. Then there's the Cleveland Clinic, which is you know one of the best hospitals and clinics in the world, all right. within a mile or two. Which great, either you can ride your bike, public transport and so forth. Right. So we are, you know, we're removed from the hustle and bustle from the downtown, but we're close enough to be able for people to access it.
0: Right. Rock and roll hall of fame somewhere around there.
1: Yeah, it's more of the downtown where the stadium and everything else is. It's probably right. like that's more five, six miles. From where we where our properties are, yeah. And I, I need to get out to Cleveland. Like... <laughs> Go into summertime.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. I need to get out of San Antonio in July and August for sure. That's right. Plans <laughs> there. Well, let's talk about the coaching. How you know you're 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 coaching others to to through real estate. How did you get involved in that? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, I've always always had a passion for teaching. Right, and I've taught yeah. at at some community colleges, like kind of in my spare time and it was okay, but I never felt like I had the engagement from the, from the students that I wanted. And then when I started getting into real estate, I felt like a couple of things. If I started teaching somebody else what I was learning, I had to really know what I was talking about. So there was a challenge on myself to learn. So I started kind of mentoring, you know, people in how to invest in real estate. How do you analyze the deal? How do you how do you write offers how do you talk to investors all those things we all need to go through but then i realized and i love that but i realized that most people can figure out the technical aspects that's not what else, what's holding people back yeah we need the education no question but what's holding people back is you know fear of taking action yes. not having a clear vision as we talked about earlier people have like a dream but they don't really know what that vision is right you know poor productivity <laughs> challenges with uh you know with other distractions and everything else so that's why i and i started working with my own high performance coach was really around the mindset the whole mindset of being a successful you know just not only investor but human being so i i love that so much so i actually got my own certification so i'm a certified high performance coach which has gives me a framework to take people through that the clarity the courage productivity, energy, all those things to really start moving people from ideas to clear vision, to action, to sustained momentum forward. Um, And a lot of people that I've seen, I started out like kind of mentoring them in real estate investing. Right. And yeah, they loved it, but they wanted more. And then we switched to the high performance coaching. And I literally, they keep coming back because it's, it helps them in so many ways. And most of the people that had gone that way, I mean, they have, they are doing deals. They are leaving their jobs. They are taking that necessary action. And that's so rewarding for me. So that's, it's such a passion for me. And I love, I love doing and love, love helping people.
0: Absolutely. I can certainly relate to that. And I, I just want to underscore, I think the importance of having a coach mentor. I mean, I'm, I have many, You know, and I have for years, I'm a part of different groups. Um, They all push me, give me perspective, hold me accountable. You know, if there's one attribute or one, you know, thing I can point to for our company's growth, it's, it's that, you know, I spend a a lot of time getting coached. And I think it's easy for people to want to focus on technical knowledge that they can get for free on the internet, which is absolutely true, especially now. Uh, and that's, that's important. You need some technical knowledge, you need specific knowledge, if you're going to go out and do anything. But uh, I just don't think you can understate, overstate rather the importance of of having a coach for a variety of reasons, one of which is as an entrepreneur, um, a lot of times you don't, you don't have peers, you know, you might have employees, you might have, um you know, a spouse or whatever that's, that's sympathetic to the cause, but um, <laughs> it's super important to have peers to, to bounce ideas off of and to push you and to hold you accountable.
1: Absolutely. Right. And I, I do, especially the thing as we start to entering into quote unquote uncharted territory. People that are close to us are going to have their own fears. That's going to, they're like, wow, that sounds risky and you shouldn't do it. And it's really their fear speaking, you know, we're in yes. a coach. Of course, we all have biases, but a coach's role is really to try to generate options and encourage exploration of those options, not try to hold people back or doing anything, you know, in in that regard. So, yeah, you know, and and having peers, too. I mean, you know, as I mentioned, my partner, I mean, we literally talk, you know, we're not physically close to each other, but we talk regularly, you know, several times a week, you know, and do challenge each other, too, and, and make sure that we are. Um, keep each other accountable and not just have like group think and and so forth. Again, that's new to me too, from, from the W2 world. It's like, well, the boss tells me to do this. At least he doesn't tell me how to do it, but you know, I knew what I had to do. Now it's a totally different thing. Nobody tells me what to do. So it's up to me to figure out what, what do I truly want and how to, how to get there. Right. And that's challenging and it's stressful and scary but that's why we, we surround ourselves up with those people who have either been there before can help us, guide us along the way. That's when you know we, we start reaching that next level of, of performance and realization.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, we, we are such social creatures that uh, in all circumstances, we mimic our peer group and our environment, whether it's bad peer group, good peer group. It's almost like this automatic thing that happens. And I think it's really important for those that are listening that, that want to set out on this journey to only take advice from someone that's qualified you know, you know, you're not taking diet and fitness advice from somebody that's overweight and out of shape. You're not taking advice on how to become a multimillionaire from somebody that um, has a net worth of $50,000. And so everybody's got an opinion, <laughs> that's for sure. But I think, you know, folks need to be real careful that they're getting advice from Folks that are qualified to to do so on whatever topic, and that that certainly applies to real estate. Everybody's got an opinion, but you want to hear from the guy or gal that's already achieved what you want to do, um, and then filter out all the rest. It's just noise.
1: Yep, absolutely. Make sure (laughs) you make sure you do surround yourself with with a peer group, and I love that thing. I don't know who if it was Tony Robbins who said you are the average of the five people you hang out with, or something. Hundred percent. So true. Uh, Yep, and. Selecting your peer group, building that, and, 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 and making sure you you understand where their motivation is and where they're coming from. And then, yes. And I think there's also we have to look at the difference between a mentor, somebody who is, you know, a mentor and a you know a consultant, somebody who has walked the path in front of you. Yep. You definitely need them. But coach's role is a little bit different. You can have somebody coach you in a business they don't know anything about because. Sometimes the best idea comes from within us, but then it's the coach's roles like, oh, you said whatever. How can we explore this more? Is this exciting to you? What do you need to do in order to figure this out? Which is, I think, that's why we can continue to grow with our clients, even if they exceed us in whatever business we're coaching them in. So, right, right. There's a key key difference there as well.
0: For sure. I mean, I I doubt Tiger Woods' golf coach plays better golf than Tiger Woods, (laughs) but he's still got a coach. I I don't. Uh, I don't know who it is, but I we can guarantee that he's got probably multiple <laughs> coaches. So yeah, 100%. You just you we can't see our blind spots just inherently, and someone, you know, another party can, and that's a, that's a huge advantage, and that's um, all the best performers in every field of everything have have coaches. So how about looking forward? You know, we're talking in mid 2022. We've got some interesting things going on post COVID, and the debt markets are crazy right now, but, you know, looking ahead to the next year or two for, for you and your business, what do you, uh, what do you see in the, the horizon?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some uncertainty right now with, with the debt market and so forth. I mean, I'm really, you know, we're so focused on that market that we in and executing our business plan. So definitely all these properties that we have acquired, executing the business plan for them is really important. Sure. Um, so I see as, you know, and I'm actually, you know, I, I never, I had, partners that were kind of, I was loosely associated with, but then I'm looking around and I'm seeing who's really successful out there. And I see some other business that are structured around, you know, a partnership group where a couple of people come together and say, we're going to do all our, all our deals together and really creating more of a company versus independent operate independent partners, if you will. So yeah. that I feel is the next level is let's get more organized. Let's, let's try to create a way that we can, do deals easier. We have all the standard operating procedures and all those things in place. Because I like systems, uh, and I think you know, kind of stepping back and getting that stuff in place. And you've experienced that yourself from your growth, for doing most of it yourself. I think to having employees and all these things, right? So that's really something that I am working on and and thinking about ways. I mean, I was, I think I said, you know, creating the franchise model of syndications, just creating the systems required. Not that yeah. I want to sell it but i just want to have it clear enough so i can hand stuff off because we all ran out run out of time right so that's that's kind of some of the things that i think can really push me push me forward we even we put out put on a small event in denver earlier this year and okay uh and we we really want to kind of grow that so i think we're going to do another one this fall to kind of you know get investors together, It's kind of a mastermind style event, but small. And that's something I'm excited about because that's kind of giving back to yes. the community and getting more people involved in it. So those are some of the things that are on my radar, but I'm sure if if, if I listen to this in a year, things would be completely different than what I thought, right?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. We, you know, we set annual targets just so we can march to them, but, you know, I'm hesitant to set five-year targets because if I look back five years, holy smokes, so much has changed. Sure. So. Part just driving forward towards targets on a shorter term, but part being open to opportunities and, and what, you know, what presents itself over time that you might not be able to see right now. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jens, thanks so much for joining. It's great to reconnect. Uh, let's do it again in a year. See what you're up to. If somebody listening wants to connect with you and, and get to know you uh, and, your, and the projects you're up to, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, thanks, Devin. Uh, so my email is jens, J-E-N-S, at opendoors, with an S, capital.com, jens, at dot com. And if anybody wants to connect with me on coaching or investing or anything, they can go to opendoorscapital.com slash call, and they can schedule a quick 20-minute intro call with me, and we can take it from there.
0: Perfect. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes. If you're listening, you can just go to the description and and click right there through the URL. Uh, Jens, thanks so much. Congratulations on your success and wish you continued uh, success into the, into the future. It's great catching up.
1: Thanks, Devin. I will see you in a year. All right. Sounds good. Take care. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.